This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. The Bowery in Lower Manhattan is one of New York's oldest neighborhoods, so it's been through a lot of iterations. In the 1650s, a handful of freed slaves were the neighborhood's first residents. This was back when New York was still a Dutch colony called New Amsterdam, and the Lower East Side of Manhattan was farmland. By the early 1800s, the neighborhood was a bustling thoroughfare with elegant theaters and taverns and shops. By the late 1800s, it had become a seedier place, full of saloons and dance halls and prostitution. And by the 1940s, the Bowery had become New York's skid row, a place where down-and-out men could go and rent a cheap room for the night in one of the neighborhood's many flop houses. Now, of course, there's no room for a skid row on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, and the Bowery, like the rest of the area, is full of expensive places to live and fancy grocery stores. But back in 1998, before the last of the flop houses closed its doors, Dave Isay and Stacey Abramson made one of my favorite radio documentaries of all time about one of these places. These producers knew they were making a time capsule, but I don't think they knew just how fast and complete a transition New York was about to make. Even though most of New York City has moved on from these kinds of voices and stories, You'll never forget them after you hear Nathan Smith's riveting guided tour of the Sunshine Hotel. Welcome, come on in. If you got the rent money, you can stay. If you ain't, beat it. <laughs> this is an eat it and beat it hotel. Normally, people come in, they stay for a day or two and get out. But for some reason or another, people come in, they like to stay for a year, for two years. You know, in other words, they like to give you aggravations. If you, if you like aggravations, come to the Sunshine Hotel. It's a lovely place. Yeah, I didn't like the fleas in the bed. Yeah, I had fleas. I scratched all night the whole time I was here. Yeah, roaches on the wall. I mean, it's a nice place if you're short of funds and uh, you need to lay your head down uh, for a couple of hours. We hope to make your stay pleasant. Well, don't ask me for towels or soap. We don't have it. <laughs> we do not have those luxuries. You want to see ID on any kind? Uh, no, I believe you. I mean, this is uh, the kind of hotel where everybody gives an AKA. <laughs> You're welcome to a room for a very nominal fee. Okay, here are my friend. You're okay. all set. Thanks a lot, buddy. Okay, you can square yourself away, this, that, and the other. This is the last of the last. Well, welcome to the Sunshine Hotel. Thanks a lot. Yeah. The Thank last you. of the last. I'm Henry, by the way. Henry yeah. and Nathan. How you okay, doing? my friend. Please meet Okay. What's up, God? What's happening? All right, my man. My name is Nathan Smith, and I'm the manager of the Sunshine Hotel. Yeah, what can I do for you? I'd like to pay my rent. Good, good. You made the landlord a happy man. This hotel in 1998 probably looks the same as it did in 1928. Like almost all of the flops, the lobby is on the second floor of a narrow flight of stairs. It's just a large room with wooden floors on a couple of chairs. I sit in a cage at the front running the joint. There's only one telephone for the entire hotel, which <laughs> keeps me pretty busy. Sunshine, give me a 10-4. Hey, Eddie, 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 do me a favor. See if you can get Earl Simpson. Tell Earl it's his mother. Earl, 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 wake him up, wake him up. Throw him out the bed and tell him it's his mother. Headed to the John, you gotta see me. Thirty-five cents a slice. I'll put it on your tab. You want paper too? 
Past the lobby, you'll find the living quarters for 125 residents of this hotel. The Sunshine is one of the last places in the country where people live in cubicles. Maybe it's a little hard to imagine for those of you living in more affluent circumstances. Picture a long hallway with a series of doors on either side. These are the cubicles. Four by six, no windows. The cubicles are only seven feet high, so there's chicken wire along the top to keep the guys from climbing over into the next room. Really, it's like living in a birdcage. My name's Henry Fogelman, I live in room 36A. Um, basically, it's like the size of like a jail prison cell. It's um, got a light and bed, mattress and a blanket with um, screen wire on the top. And basically, um, that's about it. It's very tiny. It's so small, you have trouble uh, making the bed. I've been in prisons, jails. I've been upstate, downstate. My cells were five times bigger than my room. So it's not the wall, though. But where else can you find a room in New York for $10 a night? If it wasn't for this hotel, a lot of these guys wouldn't have any place to go. All you have to do is look around, like over there. You see that old guy there with the snow white hair and the guitar? This, uh, this is Eddie. Eddie Barrett. Eddie's been with us about 100 years. It's a new day, sunshine, and uh, the world's still here, we're still here. So that's, that's good, hey. Eddie sits all day in a corner of the hotel, looking out the window and playing. I play like Johnny Cash, you know, that's my inspiration, Johnny Cash. Like. The funny thing about Eddie is that he always plays the same songs over and over and over again. Maybe I might sit down and come up with a new tune in my mind, but by the time I pick up the guitar, I don't forget the tune I had in my mind, see? Eddie used to work as a band boy for Tito Puente, but he had a mental breakdown and ended up at this flop. I met a nice guy in the street, and he knew the Bowery, and uh, he told me, he said, look, you looking for a hotel? I said, come on with me, I'll show you a hotel. There's a place called Sunshine. It ain't bad. So we went together, and I, that's how we started. That was 30 years ago. Eddie's still here. That's one of my planes. No. Somewhere over the Bowery. Hey, Nate, Nate, let me lean on you for another smoke, will you? Yeah, light it up for me, will you? My hand's still cold, Nate. I ain't got no feeling. The sunshine is the last stop. On the one hand, it's probably as close as you can come to living in hell. 125 dysfunctional guys crammed together in this old hotel. On the other hand, it's, it's pretty interesting. There were some hotels on the Bowery. I've had everything here from a priest to a murderer. You wouldn't believe the characters that stay here at the Sunshine. For instance, you see that little elfin white guy walking through the lobby? That happens to be the only deaf mute crack addict on the power. Oh, this is Donnie. He loves this place. This gentleman here, dude, this is our Sue Maven. Yeah, I'm Bob Russian. He sues everybody in town. I think he's suing the Pope now for uh, malfeasance or Father O'Connor. What happened? This is Vinny, this is Vinny here. What What? Vinny Giganti, cubicle 25A. Vinny has throat yeah, cancer yeah, and talks yeah. with a voice box. Yeah, that's Vinny, you know. This is the manager, he's the best guy here, bro. I've been here seven years, this man's like my adopted father, and he'll tell you, yeah.
Vinny looks a lot like the famous mob boss Vincent the Chin Giganti. Rumor has it that the guy's his uncle, although I don't know. I came here because I was addicted to heroin. I didn't want to bother my family anymore, so I've been here since then, and I will be here until I die, probably. That chirping sound you hear is Vinny's two lovebirds. He spends all day in his cubicle taking care of. This is pretty boy. He's ten years old. This is little bit. He's five. He's a devil. Yes, you are. They take good care of each other. If it wasn't for these birds, I don't think I'd have made it in this place. These birds have been my life. So many people don't realize you need something, you know, to help you through everything or you're not going to make it. Hey, Pop. Tell me something slick, Anthony. Tell me what's he going went, on. Anthony Coppola, Cubicle 4B. Everyone here calls him Fat Anthony because he weighs 425 pounds. Sometimes I knock off a 26-ounce can of Chef Bardi ravioli. That is for five people in the family. I'll be eating it cold right out of the can. That is a load of eats. That's a lot of grub there. Anthony's an orphan who came to the Bowery as a teenager about 20 years ago. When I first met Anthony, he was a normal-sized person. But something about this place caused him to eat and eat and eat. Anthony's gotten so large he doesn't fit in his clothes anymore. He just walks around the hotel wrapped in a sheet and almost never leaves the building. Why should I go anywhere? I can, if I want air, I just open up the window. Turn on my fan a little higher and I got air. <laughs> Excuse me. I've been trying to get Anthony to move to a hospital, but he won't go. I don't want to leave, not yet. Too much like home. Too much like home. You've been in a place for such a long time. People get to be like family. You don't want to leave. Let, let this young fella in. This is my, uh, my lunch. Right. Little white snack. <laughs> That's Bruce, the hotel's runner, delivering two bags of Chinese food to Fat Anthony. That's another part of life in these old hotels. You see, up here in the sunshine, we're totally isolated from the rest of the world, so we create our own little society. Anything you want, you can get from another tenant. We have a loan shark, a drug dealer, a guy who does other tents laundry for a couple of bucks, a room cleaner. All right, thank you. And Bruce, who runs errands for tips. Yeah, that's my lunch and my dinner. All day, Bruce sits in the lobby waiting for runs. Bruce! And as soon as somebody calls him, then boom, he hops into action. Okay, T2 sugars, one roll eight, two packs Monarch non-filter, large bass tracing, one pack ginseng, two packs anison. There you go. T2 Sugars, Rolaid. Bruce is a Vietnam vet, and for him, running errands is kind of like going into battle. It takes constant concentration, constant alertness. The main thing is do the steps. Get the order. Remember who gave you the money, and remember how much they gave you. Eleven should cover it, right? Okay. Okay. It's a, it's a work of constant steps, and most of them are mental. Tea, two sugars, one Rolaid, two packs of Monarch. And walking all the time, you've got people constantly distracting you. Distraction's your biggest enemy. All I need is a tea with two sugars. You get to the store. Yeah, tea with two sugars. You get to the store, you've got to realize that you've got to constantly be on guard. Constantly be on guard. You're in the hustler's capital of the planet. Every third person you meet is trying to hustle you out of your money. 
store clerks included. How much is the Rolex? Seventy-five. Okay, I gave you a dollar. Now you gave me. I gave you a fifty cent buy. I'm the bill. You run every kind of uh, person that's out for money in the world out there, and you got other people's money on you. You've got to defend it better than you would your own, because that's your livelihood. You blow it once, you could ruin your career. <laughs> you, you don't blow it once. Check and make sure everything's all right. My reputation is my business. I don't blow it. I don't blow it. Thirty-seven and dollar thirty-seven cents. Okay. Okay. Keep that. All day long I hear my telephone ring. giving their advice. Showtime. Showtime at the Apollo. <laughs> Why here's the phone business? Sunshine, give me a 10 4. Nah, he, uh, he's not here. He didn't come in yet. All right. Cookie wants $20. Mm. So when the loan shark comes in, I'll tell him mm -hmm. leave $20 for Cookie. Mm. Cookie with the no teeth? Yeah. Right, yeah. I know Cookie. Yeah, it's, everybody's no yeah. teeth around here. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, my greatest wish will be the day when I can have me a set of choppers. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I just got My name is Arthur Morrison. I'm 63 now. I came to the Sunshine Hotel in 1960. At that time, uh, it was bars all over the bar, you know, two or three bars in every block. And it was like Broadway, it never closed. And the whole bar was filled with nothing but alcoholics. And most of the people I knew that was on the bar was dead now, you know cost of alcohol and so I'm lucky to be alive you know, I know that you know survive that those years you know on the bar you know it's rough living yeah really rough living some historical facts about this joint the sunshine was opened in 1922 by a guy named Frank Mazzara cubicles were a dime a night. His son Carl took over in 1945 and ran the place until a couple of years ago when he sold it to the new owners. Now they're looking to sell. They should make this building landmark status. Yeah, yeah. sure is, yeah. But at this place we'd be in the street, a lot of guys yeah. here. This is uh, the only thing we can afford. This is the place where wise men do not dwell. This place is the last of the Mohican. I don't even call it the Sunshine. You know what I mean? I got a, I got a name for it. I call it the Bumshine. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh -uh. Like all of the flops, the Sunshine is a men's only establishment. Some of the hotels left on the Bowery are still whites only, but I let everyone in here. All races, all ages, all kinds of stories. We all have one thing in common. We're on our own. We all had homes, but for some reason we left or got thrown out. Take me, for example. I used to work in a bank until one day many years ago I was injured on the job. They fired me and sometime later my wife left. So I came down to the Bowery and I've been here ever since. Watch the floor, man! Hey, uh, take Kerry in the back. Yeah, uh, time off and take him in the back. Some of my guys in here are drug addicts or alcoholics. Some are just off Rikers Island. Others just dream too big. I'm going to build me a summer resort. I'm going to have, gonna have an artificial football field. I'm going to have four basketball courts. I'm going to have a round over 440 track. Track. Track, Nate. Track. Oh, don't you think that's a little over 
I mean, why don't you just do one thing? You gotta have direction, Nate. I'm having a summer resort, and this is what it's gonna be composed of. Some of my guys here at the Sunshine are working and trying to save a buck. Some are hiding out from the law. Some are dumped here by a psychiatric hospital. Emotionally distraught people find a home in the Sunshine Hotel, and I found home inside me. White is girl color, black is boy color, blue is emotion. My name is Jeffrey Mangonis. I live at the Sunshine Hotel. I'm from a family of multi-billionaires. My mother is multi-billionaire, so my sister. And then there are those of us who end up here because we're dreamers and just don't seem to fit in anywhere else. Like my relief clerk, Vic. Vic spends his days in a corner of the hotel hunched over his daily racing form, depressed. But he wasn't always like that. In my case, I started off like uh, probably so many uh, people, maybe everyone for all I know. With, with uh, sweet dreams, you know. Vic grew up in Ohio with an alcoholic mother and an abusive father. He always felt like a misfit, so he buried himself in philosophy and poetry books and then set off for the Bowery in 1960 to live cheaply while undertaking his metaphysical journey. I had some crazy soaring ambitions of figuring out everything. Figuring out everything. I was, uh, well, well, the old uh, impossible quest for truth, you know. Uh, it's like singing from that song, What's It All About, Alfie? Who hasn't wondered what it's all about? Well, some fierce ambitions along those lines. I don't know, it seemed like I was making some progress. It was intoxicating. And, and uh, after a while, it seemed like it was some crazy pipe dream, as they say, you know. I figure there there have been uh, a lot more substantial heavyweights than me by far <laughs> through history, you know, and they didn't seem to come up with the answers, the big answers. You know, so where did I get off thinking I had a you know, chance with that? It seems like one of those stories better left untold. <laughs> to me, it seems that way. Uh, uh, can I get an ambulance here to the Sunshine Hotel 241 Bowery? One of my tenants is very ill. And, uh, Mr. Marshall, room 5B, 80 years old, senile. Dumped here by his son about two months ago. Uh, he doesn't eat anything but Oreo cookies. Can't walk to the bathroom, so he goes on the floor. Here they are now. He's down to 80 pounds now in jaundice. Marshall wouldn't last another week here in his condition. I called his son last night, but uh, he doesn't care. Yeah, look at him. He's starving. Why don't you come on outside? He hasn't had any food the whole nine yards. I mean, it happens in a place like this. You know, they, you know, we're very popular with people being dumped, you know? Keep your hands on your lap. Don't reach out to grab anything, all right? Just lean back. Relax, okay? The ambulance crew wheels Mr. Marshall out, and Edwin, our porter, puts on a gas mask to clean up the room. You say you're going to throw everything away? Put it in a bag, yeah, put it in a bag, yeah. The cubicle is covered with feces, flies everywhere, and smells like nothing you've ever smelled before. You see a lot of... Urine all over the floor. A lot of uh, those uh, milk cartons full of full of urine. It's the worst part. Cleaning up rooms like this. Uh.
Watford's gone, Rosario's gone, Robinson's gone, Dave Rodriguez is gone. Late afternoon at the Sunshine, my shift is almost over and I'm sorting through the mail. Rodney, he's deceased. This is the guy that got shot by the maintenance man here in the lobby. Over five bucks. Marcus is gone. It's like a death house. Okay, seven months I've been here, five guys have died. Okay, and these guys will never leave the building. I mean, months and months at a time. One guy I knew didn't leave this building for one year. He says, Donald, he says, I'm going to die in this place. You know? And, um, you know, so it scares me. It scares me. I can't go no lower than this. I can't. The only thing I can do now is start, like a little chicken, start crawling out of the egg. I wake up in the morning and sit in the bed, smoke a cigarette, and say to myself, Donald, what the hell are you doing here? What the hell are you doing here? Most of the people just uh, lay on their bed all day in their cubicle watching TV or listening to the radio or staring into space or sleeping and just keep vegetating in these little cells with fluorescent light overhead coming through the chicken wire. And uh, that's their life. That's a guy we'll call Max R. He didn't want his full name used. Cubicle 1L. Max is a 30-year-old Russian immigrant, a skinny kid with a ponytail and glasses. Unlike the other guys you've met, Max is one of my short-term tenants. He left his wife and kids in New Jersey and came here on a heroin binge two months ago. This is my chance to get away where I just don't have to do anything for anyone and just indulge to the maximum without uh, being worried about what anyone's going to say or how I'm going to affect others. No one knows that I'm here. It's just a complete getaway. Max is an architect, and even though he's only been here for a short while, he managed to make his cubicle homey, lit with candles, there are piles of books on the floor, and posters on his wall. There's a painting of uh, Durer's St. Jerome, who was uh, a hermit. He went to the desert and lived by himself for a very long time to try to seek knowledge and uh, achieve illumination. In a sense, that's what I'm doing too, I guess. It's um, grotesque, you know, and, and uh, I enjoy it. It's like that movie, The Cook, The Thief, The Wife and Her Lover. The experience is so disgusting, so grotesque in there, so gross, you know, but they make an art out of it. I'm kind of making an art out of experiencing this. A couple of days later, Max is arrested at the Sunshine. And they crashed him up against the wall several times and handcuffed him and took him out of here. And that means his room is available for anybody who wants to rent. He's just a clean-out now. Nothing personal. He's a clean-out, you know, and I'm going to clean him out and sell his room maybe tomorrow. I'll probably sell it tomorrow, more than likely. All right, sign here, my friend. Sign and print. One tenant leaves, another checks in, but the hotel never really changes. The sunshine will always be a dark place. Wake up every morning with chicken wire just above you, walls hemming you in on all sides. Alone, it's a stunningly sad place to live. Sometimes at the sunshine, I close my eyes and drift off. I forget where I am just for a second or two. 
Suddenly, I'm not in a flop hotel, but sitting in some family kitchen drinking a cup of coffee. Then I wake up, and I'm back at the hotel. Just like everyone else here, hoping for a break, waiting for that day when I can finally check out of the Sunshine Hotel for good. Wilfred, I hope you enjoyed your stay here while you were here. You were very good. I always tell my tenants the same thing when they leave. You're welcome to come back anytime, buddy. Very good. And good luck, buddy. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. Wherever they're going the next place, I hope it's not the same as this. I hope it's a little better. But I always tell them that. Good luck. Good luck, that's all I say. Okay, Wolfman. Tony, you gonna help him? Yeah. Good, good. I'm Nathan Smith at the Sunshine Hotel. Take care, my friend. The Sunshine Hotel was produced by Dave Isay and Stacey Abramson in 1998. The narrator of this piece and manager of the Sunshine Hotel, Nathan Smith, died from cancer in 2002. This documentary was a production of Sound Portraits, which went on to spawn StoryCorps, which is dedicated to collecting, sharing, and preserving people's stories. They've probably made you cry during Morning Edition on Fridays, but I'm here to tell you they also have a podcast that's much longer than what's on the air, and it's hosted by StoryCorps producers who offer more backstory and podcast exclusives and some older documentaries like this one. It's just great. So if you like these kinds of moving and affecting stories of everyday people, subscribe to the StoryCorps podcast wherever you find podcasts. More info about StoryCorps can be found at storycorps.org. 99% Invisible is Sam Greenspan, Katie Mingle, Avery Truffleman, and me, Roman Mars. We are a production of 91.7 KALW San Francisco and produced out of the offices of ArcSign, a growing architecture and interiors firm in beautiful downtown Oakland, California. And if you have an architecture degree and two to five years experience in a firm, maybe you want to join ArcSign in Oakland. We like it there, and probably you will too, you know, if you're cool. Go to arcsign.com and look for the Employment Opportunities link for details. And maybe we'll pass each other in the hall. Support for 99% Invisible comes from Slack. Slack is the messaging app for teams. So 99% Invisible is completely devoted to Slack at this point. It's like our fifth employee. We'll never go back to communicating using a confusing hodgepodge of email, IMs, and texts. So with Slack, we set up channels that correspond to the episodes we're working on or projects we're considering. For example, we have a channel where we're discussing the possible 99PI challenge coin. And all the discussion happens on those channels. So all the conversations about an episode, the links to the sources, the scripts, even sound files and pictures all live in a single channel. So you never lose track of the information, and if someone new joins the team, they have a complete record of the project up to this point. Critical information isn't buried in some random email somewhere. So Slack is free to use for as long as you want, for as many users as you want, but they do have 
paid plans with additional features and more powerful functionality. Anyone who visits slack.com slash 99 will get $100 in credits that they can use whenever they decide to upgrade to any paid plan. But again, Slack is free to use forever if you just want to try it out. Seriously, it makes work so much better. Go to slack.com slash 99. Support is also provided by TeePublic. TeePublic is a platform that empowers designers to sell art and apparel online. Designers can upload their art to TeePublic and sell their work on t-shirts and hoodies and art prints and all kinds of things. You'll get your own branded store and TeePublic will take care of the printing, shipping, and customer service. And every time they sell your design, you get paid. They're going to curate a collection to showcase the designs from the 99PI listening community. So go to tpublic.com and click create to upload your own designs. And be sure to tag it with 99PI when you upload. Your design doesn't have to be 99% visible related or anything. We're just interested in what the designers out there want to make and sell. So if you have something cool, give it a shot. And if you're not a designer, you can shop thousands of great designs from independent artists, including the ones on the 99PI channel. I'm sure those will be great. Visit tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And as always, this tiny program owes its tiny existence to Tiny Letter. Email for people with something to say. My boy Carver always has something to say. What do you got to say, Carver? I saw in the Lego documentary that someone made a whole working house made out of Legos. And it's two stories. You should make a radio show about that tinyletter.com. It's free, easy, minimal, and powerful. The simplest way to send a compelling email newsletter. Unlike other email, I always open my tiny letters. From the great people behind MailChimp. MailChimp, the Knight Foundation, and you beautiful nerds are the reason we created Radiotopia from PRX. New on Radiotopia. Leah Tao from Strangers revisits and updates her groundbreaking Love Hurts series one year later. There have been developments, people. And when we first started dating, and this is a reality TV moment, um, I was dating someone else. And that was kind of why I was like kind of trying to... Hedge your bets? Yeah, I mean, as unromantic as that is. I did not know that. I know. You can subscribe to Strangers and all the Radiotopia shows at radiotopia.fm. And if you'd like to support our shows, and if I think you're doing cool stuff that's worth saying nice things about, I will talk about your company too, but it starts only when you email sponsor at radiotopia.fm. You can find the show and like the show on Facebook. We're all on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Spotify, but you can listen to every single episode of 99% Invisible at 99pi.org. Radiotopia. Radiotopia.